The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is the best of talk of champions brought to you by Modern Woodman. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me now, former Ole Miss Rebel former long-time Major League Baseball player, David DeLucci. David, what's up, man? Not a whole lot. Thanks for having me on. Man, thanks for coming on. When you came into Ole Miss, what hit you immediately? What did you have to learn? Because you played four years at Ole Miss, all SEC in 94-95, in All-American in 95, set 10 school records, won the SEC battle t- batting title and hitting. Uh, you're one of the top 50 greatest athletes in Ole Miss history. But it, it didn't happen overnight. It's not like you arrived as one of the top 50 Ole Miss athletes ever. What, what did you have to learn? What, t- what, did, what parts of your games did you have to adjust in order to get to that point by the end of your career? I think for me, I, I was uh, the physical ability was, was there to compete. Now, it got much better as my career went on, and I, I started – gaining man strength, which we call man strength as you mature and your body uh, starts to mature. But, but uh, I think physically I was, I was there to, and could have competed well in the SEC. But the major hurdle for me was the mental 
uh, maturity that uh, as a freshman, you spend most of the season unsure if, if you should be here and, and, and you're playing against, for me, I, um, I was playing, I, I started Ole Miss at 17 years old. I was playing my first year as an 18 year old against guys that were 23 years old. And the uh, first thing I had to, to remind myself was the game was exactly the same as it was in, in high school. And I belonged there. But uh, mentally, I just was unsure of myself and my place and a little bit overwhelmed with the other competition throughout Division One and, and the SEC. And I think after that freshman year, uh, I realized you know, you've got one season under your belt. You can relax. Your knees don't shake as much when you're at the plate. And, uh, and you realize, you know, I can do this. I should be here. And that's why most guys have a much better sophomore year than they do freshman. When you were in Catholic High in Baton Rouge, did Skip recruit you? How hard did LSU recruit you? How did you end up at Ole Miss? I just got done telling the story. I got I received more letters, uh, recruiting letters from the LSU football team, which Mike Archer was the head coach at the time, than I did the LSU baseball team. At that time, uh, it was expected that if you were a young player growing up in Baton Rouge, you were going to go to LSU no matter what. And they didn't have to spend a whole lot of time or energy or money to get you there. A lot of guys ended up walking on. Uh, from the area, and, and that's kind of how they approached me. And um, I was offered a, an opportunity to walk on and earn books. Uh, they had told me I was probably going to get redshirted my freshman year. And Ole Miss came in and, and offered a tremendous scholarship. They told me, Coach Don Kessinger told me I was going to play a significant role in my freshman year and possibly start. And uh, it was a no-brainer. I mean, um, I grew up with a family that, Everyone graduated from LSU. It was almost like LSU expected me to go there, and and uh, I, I I went elsewhere, and I went to the place that I felt wanted me the most, and that was the Ole Miss Rebels. And it turned out to be a an incredible decision, and one that I am I'm proud that I made. That, that's an interesting part of it too, because like you said, your family is still all LSU. You come from Baton Rouge. Your wife's an LSU person. For you. How, how do you balance LSU Ole Miss? I know I know you still got some purple and gold in there somewhere, but how do you how do you balance that, dude? It's um it, it's it, it, it's easy because my family was treated so well when I was playing at Ole Miss. They were just uh, they just fell in love with with the residents of Oxford surrounding areas, with the campus, with everything that Ole Miss stood for. Um, my family fell head over heels, and that was a no-brainer. They are always on board with with Ole Miss. Um, I got to play it, you know. I gotta, sometimes I got to hide in the weeds down here. Um, there's there's not a whole lot of people that have my back in in, in Baton Rouge, uh, but uh, it, it's uh, it's fun. I think everybody here um, in Baton Rouge understands why I made the decision. They respect it and. Uh, and out of uh, respect and love for me, they pull for Ole Miss. So it becomes more difficult when the football team plays as well as it has and, and the baseball team beats LSU. And that's when I get the most uh, hecklers and, and the most uh, backlash. Your career was such a long one. You started in 97 with the Orioles, ended in 2009 with the Blue Jays. What helped you sustain a lengthy career? For all those guys out there, bid on the Ole Miss baseball team, whoever might be trying to come up, you had such a sustained, lengthy career 
what do you tell them? How, how do you have that kind of career? What do you have to do to get to that point or to make yourself that type of player that can have that, that long sustained success? Well, a lot of people don't realize it, but the average career of a major league baseball player is only a year and a half. And sometimes we, we think otherwise because we see those names that have played on teams for 20 years, you know, like Derek Jeter just had his number retired. Um, and Tony Gwynn, Barry Bonds, those guys play on teams uh, and have long careers, but it's not, not necessarily the average. The average is a year and a half. If you can make it up there, that means to have the talent to be there. But it's the guys that work hard and the guys that go above and beyond that actually stay there. And I think that's, that's what I tell these young players. You have to develop a work ethic early on, and that way it'll carry you into pro ball and hopefully into the major leagues. You still need to have some breaks, and you have to stay healthy. Um, I think that it is an incredible opportunity. Only a little over 18,000 baseball players have ever played major league baseball. If you think about it, it shows you how rare of a feat it is and how special of a person and an athlete you have to be to make it up there. It's not easy, as everyone may, may think. I remember uh, my second full year in the major leagues, I had a career-threatening injury to my left wrist. I was told I would probably never be able to play again. And if it wasn't for my work ethic and a, and a great hand surgeon and a miracle from God, I, I would have not have played uh, the career that I had. So I had to fall back on that work ethic that I've had ever since I was in Little League to not only keep me in, in uh, the major leagues, but help me overcome a tragic, terrible uh, injury. And, uh, and because of that, I think that uh, it's the work ethic that uh, has allowed me to play the extra 11 years that I, that I was able to play. Um, there's so many players out there that are, that are gifted physically, and, and, and they may be long in the major leagues with the athletic ability that they have, but they lack the work ethic. And uh, we also forget, too, that baseball is, unlike football, it is a mental game. You have to be able to succeed and be mentally tough uh, or else you just fall by the wayside. So there's a lot of different aspects to go to it. I know that's a long way to answer that question, but uh, it's more than just going up there and hitting the ball well and running fast or throwing the ball hard. You've got to work at it, and you have to be mentally tough and understand the true game of baseball. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the – well, not glad because I know it was a tough moment for you in your life, but the wrist issue. I mean, it's Kindbox disease. It's a degenerative bone issue uh, – bone ailment that deals with your left wrist that you had to kind of overcome there you come back in 2001 hit 10 home runs fast forward to 2005 you're hitting a career high 29 homers 65 rbi tied for second in rangers history with four leadoff home runs you mentioned the hard work but that moment when you got that news how did you handle it i wasn't going to feel sorry for myself i wasn't going to allow myself one moment to feel down and um i remember at the time that I got the news, it, it, it had been uh, the, the issue with my wrist had been getting worse uh, for about two years. And everyone thought that it was tendonitis, especially in 99. They would shoot my wrist up with cortisone. I'd go out and play for two weeks. It would swell up. They'd shoot it up again. I'd go play again. It'd swell up. And finally, it got to a point where I couldn't even touch my hair after the game to comb my hair. Um, I didn't take warm-up swings in between or, or before my at-bats. I didn't take BP before the game. It hurt so bad. At the time I was diagnosed with King Box disease, 
I was hitting 394 in 60 games, I think, and well on my way my second year to solidifying myself in the major leagues. I'm sitting there thinking, what's my next contract going to be? What, you know, can I, I'm, I'm finally going to be able to fi- afford a boat. I mean, I'm thinking all these great things, and I'll never forget uh, the, the night after I had an MRI, um, I was waiting outside of the manager's office with the general manager, the president, the owner, all the coaches, uh, and the doctor. And the door opened up, and they had tears in their eyes. And I'll never forget their faces as I walked in. And the first thing that the doctor told me was, there's bad and there's unfixable bad. Can you imagine for a young man, 24 years old, that's not something, especially when you're hitting 394, that you expect to hear. And, uh, and they gave me the news. They told me what it was. It's a degenerative bone in my wrist. It was in the last stage before that bone crumbles. And my wrist is uh, has to be fused and I can no longer use it. So um, when they told me that, and they told me my career was over, uh, I told them that they, they were wrong. And I elected uh, to have a... Uh, a surgery that had never been done in the United States. It was experimental. It worked. The doctor gave me 10% chance after the surgery. And I knew that the bone would never heal. Um, I was just left with basically a, a wrist that had a, a serious lack of range of motion and strength. And I told myself, I'm, I'm going to go with whatever I have. I'm going to not only make it back to prove them wrong, but I beat every single time frame in the process and uh, came back uh, in 2000, hit 300, and uh, 2001 was when I started getting strength back in my wrist, and um, and I played. I played with a, uh, basically one-handed is what I tell everybody, but to me, it was just, it was a speed pop. It wasn't going to end my career, and I was going to find a way to make it back. What was that moment like then to, to be at your lowest and then to end up on a World Series team? winning a World Series, which was easily one of the most thrilling World Series matchups in Major League Baseball history, when you considering that the Diamondbacks jump out 2-0, Yankees battle back, win three straight, then y'all won two straight to win it and, and to secure a title. Huge moment for you. It was. It was incredible. It was, I tell everyone, that playing wiffle ball in the backyard as little boys, we all picture ourselves playing in the World Series and winning the World Series. That's our fantasy. I was able to live it out, and not only that, I was on first base in the bottom of the ninth in game seven, uh, and uh, got to experience it on the field. It was absolutely incredible. It was a reward for the hard work that I had put in to get back healthy enough to compete at the major league level. It was a reward for all of the extra sprints and all the extra swings and all the extra throws that I took ever since I was in Little League. And uh, most importantly, it was a reward for my family, for them following my career and, and uh, sacrificing their free time. What made that World Series even more special was it was after 9-11-2001, and we happened to be playing the New York Yankees. And uh, the whole world uh, had, had their attention on our World Series. And for probably the only time in history, most of the, the sports world was pulling for the Yankees. And... Uh, uh, for us to go out there and win and compete uh, is just, to this day, I, I remember every moment of, of those seven games. It was absolutely incredible. When Luis Gonzalez hit that hit that pitch on 01, 
when it came off his bat, there was no way that that was going to make the outfield grass, and it just kept going. It was the softest hit single you could possibly <laughs> – it just kept going. I kept thinking, there's no way, there's no way. When you saw it come off the bat, did you think that's that's the winner? It just it didn't seem like that at all. We, we – no, it didn't. I mean, look, Gonzo hit 56 home runs that year. I mean, everything yeah. went his way. He, he could not do anything wrong. I think he had a – I think he had like a 35 or 36 game hit streak or whatever. It was his year. He comes up with the bases loaded, and everyone on the team goes grand slam to win it. I mean, this is just – this is how Gonzo's book is going to be written. You know, this is the chapter yeah. of his book. And we noticed that Peter was playing in. For some reason, he was moved in. And off the bat, uh, everyone and, and look. And here's another thing: Mariano Rivera, the nastiest closer of in the history time. of baseball, has an unbelievable cutter, which we knew and Gonzo knew he was going to throw throw inside. Gonzo's a pull hitter; everything he hits is to the right side. And as soon as that ball made contact, knowing where the defense was playing, we knew that there was a chance, and and there was a split second which no one took a breath until we saw that ball was high enough and had enough velocity it was going to get over Jeter's head. And then it was chaos, man. I was the first guy out. I, I piled on. It was the greatest feeling ever. Uh, usually you hate to be on the bottom of the pile, but it, for me it was – it was. It, we were just so numb. You, 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 you know, you, you were just in ecstasy. So a lot of good things. You know, we talk about having to be a good player, but it takes some luck to, to have success. And that hit – was definitely a lucky hit. Was it everything winning the World Series? Was it everything you'd always hoped it would be? It was. It was. Um, it was everything I ever hoped it would be, and more. It was. Um, as anyone that has ever won a World Series can tell you, the city is wide open at your convenience. You, know, you can go to any restaurant. You can go to any uh, any uh, bar. Whatever it is, it is open for you. There's no line. You're probably not going to have to pay for anything. Uh, it was incredible. For us, uh, we had only been a franchise for four years. And we're the fastest franchise to ever make it uh, to as a World Series champion. Uh, we were in a sports market with the Suns, the Coyotes, and the Cardinals, and they weren't playing very well. So we were basically the only winning sport in town. And everyone i think we had 500,000 people to the uh, celebratory parade everyone was a D-back fan and uh, it was just an incredible feeling well one of the last things uh, and i'll let you go i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you about this but you, you mentioned jeets earlier when we were talking and he was recently honored by the yankees including a plaque in monument park and his number retired you wrote on twitter recently of how Derek Jeter was one of your favorite teammates, if not your favorite teammate of all time. How did he earn that distinction from you? What What did you kind of, what led you to to say that about him? If If you think about what Jeter had been able to accomplish under the the spotlight that he was under, under the the microscope that he was under, the biggest media outlet in the in the world, I would say, New York City be the golden child in which he was on, you know, page six every single day. Where was Jeter? What was he doing? Who was he dating? He was everywhere. And someone said every, every woman wanted to date him and every man wanted to be him. That's Derek Jeter. 
to 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 be under that microscope and to perform the way that he did to hit game winning hits to make spectacular plays to do what he did night in and night out and never have a bad thing said or written about him never end up in the tabloids never getting a DUI never getting having spousal abuse or or, or battery whatever it is out there he was as clean as they got and and to me uh, to do it as a New York Yankee, was absolutely incredible. Uh, I hated playing against him. I didn't even like him as a player. In the World Series, I took him out of second base. Uh, and, and, um, and I don't think very many people like playing against him because he has an air of being cocky. But when you're on his team and you know him and you know what kind of guy he is and what he stands for and how important he is to the Yankees in the game of baseball, to, my, to me – there's not another ball player, at least when I was playing, that could have done what he did. And uh, I don't think there'll ever be a Derek Jeter uh, for the game of baseball um, or the or the New York Yankees. He was so special and so rare, not because he was a good player, but because how he handled himself and what he did in clutch situations, especially in that 2001 World Series. I mean, he had a, uh, I think it was a game-winning home run or tie game-tying home run. I mean, he it's just incredible, but as a as a person, he was even better. It's just totally a baseball nerd question to kind of end this, but you're standing in the box. Would you rather be trying to get a hit off of Randy Johnson or Mariano? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mariano, by far, by far. Um, I had one quick, former player I, tell me one time that standing in the box with Randy Johnson was legitimately horrifying because you honestly didn't – he was so wild, especially early in his career, that he could he could kill you with a fastball. He could. I, I hit a double off the batter's eye in spring training. We were in a squad when I was with Diamondbacks, and he was uh, my teammate. And, and he took the beginning part of spring training just to get loose. He was throwing about 87. I hit a double off the batter's eye. I was standing on second base talking trash. He gives me, you know, one of those looks that he gives guys like he's going to, you know, eat their heart out. The next day, B. He throws 99 at my ear hole. I'm a teammate, man. And I'm, I'm like, this is, you know, it, it was incredible how quick that ball got on me and how dangerous it is to, to uh, face him. So I'll take Mariano, even as nasty as he was, I'll take Mariano any day over Randy Johnson. Oh, that's so good. Because I, 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 that, that cutter that Mariano threw, you just, you knew it was coming. You still can get the barrel to it. It's impossible. It just kept biting in on you. It was it was the closest thing that cutter and Wakefield's knuckleball to me were like uh, uh, playing a video game. You knew the cutter was coming. You still couldn't adjust to it. I mean, I would move my purposely try to make contact on the on the end of the bat. That was where I would try to hit the ball, knowing that the cutter was going to be somewhere over the barrel. As Mariano wound up in his in his. Um, uh, delivery to home, I would even move myself over in the box toward the first base side to prepare for it, and I still couldn't square it up on the barrel. It was that nasty. I can't even imagine trying to even make contact, let alone get a hit. He's former Ole Miss baseball player David DeLucci now covers, well, does play-by-play color for Ole Miss baseball games, SEC Network as well, former Major League Baseball player. Great stories. David, thanks so much for doing this, man. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Ben. Have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.